Applied Psychology for Nurses by Mary F. Porter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. Applied Psychology for Nurses by Mary F. Porter. Chapter 13 The Psychology of the Nurse Continued emotional equilibrium suppose that when you first enter the ward you are wishing with all your heart you had never decided to become a probationer perhaps the white screen and its possible meaning has so frightened you that your thoughts refuse to go beyond it suppose the very sight of so much sickness has agitated you instead of strengthening your determination to help nurse it that is suppose your emotions your feelings so fill your mind that perception is necessarily inaccurate and blurred then tomorrow your account of the ward will be hazy and your desire will probably be against returning to a place where so many unpleasant feelings were aroused the emotional balance which refuses to allow feelings to obscure judgment by leading reason astray is a necessary safeguard for the work of the nurse there is little place in the profession for the woman who is all sentiment but perhaps there is less for the one without sentiment feeling we find is the first expression of mind feeling which in the early months is entirely selfish the happiest baby you know is not sweet and whining to please you but because he feels comfortable and happy and cannot keep from expressing it his universe is his own little self and you exist only in your relation to him if you give him pleasure he likes you if pain he does not want you his mother often fails to please him but satisfies him so much more frequently than anybody else that he loves her best then comes the nurse or father if he proves the satisfactory kind of father or she a nurse he can love to the baby whatever he happens to want is good what is not desirable is bad and such emotional responses are altogether normal in early months yes even until the child is old enough to use reason to choose between two desires the one that will in the end prove more satisfying but they are defects in adult life the nurse who would always act as her first feeling dictates would not be in training many days unpleasant sights and sounds the fear of making a mistake which might harm a patient the undesirability of long hours of hard work in caring for patients who frequently only find fault with her best efforts would early decide her in favour of another life work comparatively few so-called grown-ups are guided only by feeling and most of those are in institutions that are well safeguarded but a great many mature men and women allow feeling to unduly influence their thinking the sentimental nurse for instance may find it very difficult to give an ordered hypodermic the patient dreads the pain and the nurse fears hurting her suppose she were to fail to give it on such grounds this is an almost unthinkable case but the very nurse who agrees that such an emotional weakling should not be allowed to train will help her patient even when recuperating nicely to grow inexcusably self-centred by sympathising with every complaint warning her at every turn by allowing her and even encouraging her perhaps to discuss her illness and suffering in the minutest detail the nurse is more damaging than the sentimentalist who fails to give the hypodermic for that slip is easily discovered and the transgressor must immediately reform and obey orders or be dismissed 
but the second nurse may take perfect care of the sick body and the doctor never realize that she is developing the sickness idea in her patient's mind in both of these instances reason has followed the leadings of feeling it is unpleasant to hurt the patient and she is disagreeable too when you insist on carrying out the orders it is easier to agree with her ideas and sympathize with her troubles much easier than to find some other avenue for her thinking or to search for feeling substitutes it is pleasanter right now to allow her mind to slip unmolested into sick reactions than to lead her unwilling as she is into the ways of health reason follows feelings logic which suggests that it is much better for the patient to talk of her ills than to keep them pent up inside and judgment is sadly obscured the emotionally balanced nurse hears the story once that she may have the material for helping the need feeling perhaps deep and genuine sympathy with the real trouble is aroused and rightly but this brings a keen desire to help the situation reason insists that talking of sufferings real or fancied only makes them more insistently felt that there must be some better way to meet them it suggests various methods to divert the patient's attention to change the train of thought until she is able herself to direct it into healthful channels judgment weighs the propositions and decides upon the one which will lead toward establishing a health attitude the nurse is continually meeting the necessity of acting contrary to fear and discouragement and weariness of spirit how can she secure emotional equilibrium for herself keep in mind the fact that most sick people are very suggestible that you have a definite responsibility to make your suggestions to your patient wholesome and that your mood is a constant suggestion to him remember that he needs your best then if your own trouble seems too great to bear determine that so long as you remain on duty you will not let it show try an experiment see if you can go through the day carrying your load of sorrow or disappointment or chagrin with so serene a face that the sick for whom you are caring will not suspect that you have a burden at all that is a triumph worth the striving then if you can let it make you a little more comprehending of others pain a little more gentle with the sickest ones a bit more patient with the trying ones more kindly firm with the uncooperative realizing that each one of them all has his burden too you have not choked feeling but you have fulfilled reason's counsel that sick people are not the ones to help you in your distress that a good nurse should rise above personal trouble to the duty at hand your judgment has compared your reasons and decided that you should act before your patients as you would if you were well and well holds you to emotional equilibrium such a thing that can be done in a very large measure and no better opportunity for emotional control will ever be offered than the necessity of being calm and serene before your patients no matter how you feel but while reason and judgment teach us to control the expression of certain things of certain feelings they urge that this control be exercised in transforming those feelings into helpful ones and giving them an adequate outlet such a substitution has been suggested above let us not forget that nothing in existence is of personal value until it gives someone an emotion that feeling is the beauty of life that feeling without the happy wholesome affective glow would not be worth the effort that beauty and strength and sweetness of feeling make for a worthy self remember too that feeling is the curse of life it is feeling that would make us give up 
the whole struggle and ugliness and weakness and bitterness of feeling make for a despicable self hope lies for us all in the realization that we can choose our feelings our responses we can be utterly discouraged and bitter and depressed at failure or we can recognize it as a signboard telling us that the other way than the one we just followed leads to the goal and we can follow its pointing finger with faith in a new attempt because now we know at least how not to go we can learn despair from all the bitter and the hateful and the mean or we can learn that they never could be called so if there were not the sweet the lovable and the generous with which to compare them you can learn to search as with a microscope for all the undesirable traits of your patients or you can calmly accept all that assert themselves as undeniable facts but use your microscope to find their desirable characteristics which offer possibilities of being brought to the foreground you cannot constructively help yourself or your patient by denying the existence of the less worthy traits but you can resolve to call out the something better and if you do not find it as may rarely be the case you can refuse to let it make you sceptical of finding it in others let us remember always that it is not things or conditions or people that harm us it is only the way we respond to them that can hurt this one great truth if really believed and made a part of all our thinking would save scores of people from nervous wreckage it is a favourite saying of a wise man who has helped a great many people to endure and take new courage when life seemed too hard to meet that big broken arm case on the ward cursed you yesterday because you would not listen his splints and you rushed from the room angry and humiliated wishing you could quit nursing forever and asked to be moved because you had been insulted but that man cannot harm you he has never known a real lady in his life before his training from childhood has been to regard women as chattels to do man's bidding his experience in life is that they usually do what he asks women of his kind moreover he has never had a serious pain before and it is not to be endured of course the man must be dealt with and made to realize the distinction between his new surroundings and the old probably the intern or the doctor is the one to do it also he must be brought to apologize or leave the hospital perhaps but he did not hurt you your own reaction did that for outside things or people cannot damage what we are in ourselves the way we respond to them does the harm when you can control your expression of anger and humiliation and substitute for your intense feeling a desire that such a patient may learn that pain is often the gateway to healing that some respect for women may be kindled in him so that eventually such an outburst in the ward may be impossible for him or for anyone who heard it then you are choosing between emotions the one of helpfulness for the one of justified indignation and feeling has followed reason rather than leading reason astray the judgment which decides you to try methods which will shame or inspire some manliness into the patient was one influenced by a well-balanced emotional life if we would really acquire emotional poise there are a few practical proved methods we might adopt for ourselves when we can hold back the expression of the almost overpowering impulse or passion of anger and resentment and hurt absolutely shut tight our lips until we can think then wait until we can think without the strain of intense feeling we will not only keep ourselves out of trouble but we will be able to calmly state our position right the wrong done us if wrong there was 
or recognize that we ourselves were wrong for we seldom analyze the situation properly under the influence of strong feeling if we want to accomplish anything with our words let us wait until we can speak them without having to choke down our sobs or cram back our hot anger or forcibly restrain ourselves from tearing things or slamming doors after all that wildfire of emotion is gone judgment will lead us to wisely reasoned action end of chapter thirteen this recording is in the public domain